This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. I don't know how much help we're going to be today because we don't have a vet, Denny Boz. We don't. David's not available this no. morning or this afternoon, I should say, David. No. But we can have lots of fun because I've got a lot of things planned. I know. We're looking at a lot of new products for the different pets that we have. We are. We're looking at a lot of new products. We're going to be talking to four different lots of people too. Oh, great. So I've got um, Sue Treen uh, from Bow Pets. She's going to talk to us about the gentle leader harnesses and walking systems that they mm-hmm. offer. And they're great for dogs that do a lot of pulling when you're walking. So that's one. We'll be talking to um, also Linda Smith, who's from the Doggy Day Out, which will be held at the Calais Estate, ne- Estate next weekend. We'll talk to her. We've got Jim uh, Delaney, who's our resident expert on chickens, but we'll be talking to him about responsible pet ownership today. Right. And then Brock about lizards. In the Hunter Valley, lovely place to be, especially for a picnic or a day out on the weekend. This time of year is fantastic weather for that. But what we do have is a doggy day out in the Hunter Valley, which will be held at the Calais Estate. And I've got Linda Smith here from the Organising Committee to talk to us about the event. Thank you for joining us, Linda. It's my pleasure, Danny. How are you? Great, great. Thank you. Look, first of all, I did want to mention the event is supporting a great cause, which is Hunter Animal Rescue. So all proceeds will be going to Hunter Animal Rescue from this event. Can you let us know what the funds uh, raised will be able to achieve for Hunter Animal Rescue? Sure. Um, Hunter Animal Rescue, uh, they're a great organisation. They actually rehome pets um, in the Hunter Valley, Newcastle and Central Coast areas. Yes. Uh, so they're, they're volunteers that provide foster homes and, um, while, you know, while they're looking for good homes for these animals that are, you know, they're, they're in need. So yes. the money really does go to a great cause. In, in terms of the event, uh, what, where is it held, first of all, I guess we'll ask for that and the address? Uh, so it's held at Calais Estate mm-hmm. uh, at the vineyard there, which is on Palmer's Lane in yes. Colburn. So it's just off um, Wine Country Drive. And at what time and on what date? It's uh, on Sunday, the 24th of October, so that's not this Sunday, next Sunday. Yes. Uh, and the event kicks off at 10.30am. 10.30. Now, lots of funny things and exciting stuff happens at the doggy day outs and any pet events. What kind of things can people expect to see? Um, so we've got um, lots of doggy, doggy-related stalls, so you can get little dog jackets and dog beds and all sorts of toys and great things for your pets. Yes. Um, we've got Hunter Animal Rescue have a stall there. We've also got a, um, a portrait artist and a photographer, so mm. animal photographer, so you can get some shots with your dogs in the vines and uh, even got a, a mobile dog wash there as well, so you can have your, your pooch all cleaned up and <laughs> looking good for the day. And um, yes. We've got live music, we have a bar and a barbecue, and we have raffles um, with great prizes as well. So it's a really good day out. And a hunter animal rescue going to bring some of the pets or doggies, generally dogs that need to be rehomed, so people can see them and, and view them. They, yeah, they could do, but they will. Ha- if they don't, if they're not able to, they'll definitely have information about what what animals they have available, and um, maybe even people want to want to be a, become a volunteer themselves. So yes. they'll definitely have all that information at hand. Okay. And what about the events? What kind of events can we look forward to? 
Um, we'll be running some dog trick competitions so the dogs can show off what, what they can do. Um, I, basically, we're, it's, it's a really relaxed event. So, I mean, there's heaps of grass area for the dogs to run around and play. And, yeah, it's just a, a real, you know, a good day to bring the picnic rug and, and really sit back and just enjoy. So it's sort of more about relaxing and just spending the day with, with the dogs and, and just enjoying it. And if you're a pet owner and you've got a dog and you want to enter in some of the competitions, what kind of things do you need to prepare? Like, is there a, a fashion competition where you need to dress up your pet so you'll need some, to bring some clothing uh, for your pet we, on the day? We haven't um, in, in the past couple of years. Certainly if people do want to, want to dress up their dogs, it's always, you know, sometimes people have some really way out haircuts and colours going on. So, sure, if people want to do that, that's fantastic. But, um, you know, we we definitely could have some prizes on the day, but we haven't got anything um, sort of organised for that. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a a good day to, to come and support Hunt Animal Rescue and... Yes, but as yeah. you, as you say though, it's always fun when when people do dress their dogs up and see it them. It is, and uh, we've talked about that on the outfit. That's right, and we have talked about on that show a number of times, haven't we, Dave? <laughs> nice little outfit, nice little dress or something. Well, Linda, thank <laughs> you, thank you very much for your time. Bit of makeup. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you, Linda. That is going to be fun Sunday week. Sunday week. We'll mention it again in the next week's show, but always something funny to do. And as I said, in the vineyards, it's a nice place to go for the weekend. What a great place to go if you've got a nice day. That is perfect. We've got Sue Treen. Now, she's going to talk to us about a a product called a gentle leader. There's a head collar and also a harness. Often on our program, we do get people talk to us about, what do I do when I'm walking the dog? It just pulls me, pulls me along, and I really find it. Uh, such a terrible experience that I don't want to t- walk the dog anymore. And I have the same questions raised in the shop with, with customers. Some of them are so keen they get up on their back legs. That's all they've got, you know. <laughs> That's true too. Fun that can happen. That's right. They're the ones for the doggy day out though, oh, okay. in the Hunter Valley. That's okay. that's them. All right. But there is a solution we can use, and it's a product that even vets, trainers, animal behavioralists recommend for these kind of problems. And Sutrin is the Australian representative for Gentle Leader. So welcome to the show, show um, Sue. Hello, how are you? There you go. And all those S's. It's going well. (laughs) It's going very well, Denny. Okay. First of all, can you please tell us a little bit about what is the Gentle Leader head collar? Okay. The Gentle Leader head collar is similar to using a halter on a horse. So it's a head collar that fits on the dog um, and it was designed by a behavioural vet and a leading dog trainer in America. And it actually works with the dog's pressure points. So the dog feels comfortable and relaxed when he's wearing it and it actually talks to him in language that he understands. Oh, okay. How how does that work in that regard? Is it to do with it as a group of dogs and what happens when they pat each other on the nose? Mm. or it, yeah? well, well, the pressure points it fits on, it fits high and tight on the back of the head. So yes. it's the same pressure point as when the mum picks up her pups and they feel comfortable and relaxed. Oh. And the nose loop, when there's pressure put on the nose loop when the dog goes to move forward, it's the same pressure point as when you have a group of dogs. You may notice that they reprimand a dog that's misbehaving by putting their mouth over the other dog's nose and pressing down. Yes. And that's a way of saying to a dog, your behaviour is unacceptable. Oh, okay. We have had our, our resident vet here on the show talk about that many times, Dr. David Tabret, and, and that is how that works. The gentle leader head collar works in that way. 
Yes. So it helps to lower, particularly dogs who have any fearfulness or anxiety or highly excitable, because it's working on the pressure points, it actually helps to lower those problems so you can then start to train the dog as well. So what happens when you want to put that on a dog that is pulling? Right, so it comes with an instructional DVD. The most important thing is getting the fit correct. So we suggest that people sit down and have a look at the DVD. Um, Best to use treats and make it a fun thing for the dog to do and introduce it slowly so you... Once you've watched the DVD and see how it fits, you get the fitting correct on your dog. Use treats so that when you put the nose loop on the dog, you feed him a treat, he thinks it's something good. Pop the leash on him, take him for a short walk, even just around the backyard. Keep feeding him treats. If he goes to move forward, you stop, you ask him to come back to you, and then you continue your walk. And they'll very quickly start to get the idea of the pressure and where it's affecting. Some dogs, it has an instant result on. We do have people who contact us who say the moment they put on the dog, the dog was completely different. Right. I had um, a customer who had walked their dog who was, it was the dog was pulling, but they were also, because they had a baby, they had a stroller and they would walk the dog and have the stroller and it was becoming a really bad experience because the dog was pulling. And I recommended the head collar. And a few days after that, she called me back and said, it's fantastic. I'm enjoying walking the dog again and I don't have to worry him pulling me while I've also got the stroller. And that's true because it's working in language and it's reinforcing to the dog that the person on the other end of the lead is in charge. So therefore the dog's not competing with the pram, he's not competing with the person, he's happy to fall back and walk beside them as good walk should be. Is there any other circumstances when you would use this product? You can use it. People use it. Um, Some vets use it for when they're examining a dog and the dog's particularly anxious. Some groomers do also use it for that purpose. Um, I've had instance of a staffy that was um, rescued and he had never been in the house. Like So when they try and sit and watch television, the dog would run around madly. Mm -hmm. They actually would put the head collar on him in the house to actually calm him down just without the leash attached to it. Wow, it's, uh, that's new to me as well, the fact that it actually calms the dog down. You don't even have to walk the dog. You can just put the collar on him and it will calm it down because of those pressure points. Mm, and it's all in the fitting. Once you get the fitting correct, the dog feels comfortable wearing it. Yes. And, um, yes, it does have a remarkable effect. And I note that on the packaging, I do have a, I do have one here with me here. It also says stops pulling for when the dogs are walking, but it's great for dogs that lunge. And, yes, and any yes. other unwanted behaviours. Mm. So say, for example, if you have a dog who's fearful of other dogs um, and a dog rushes up to it, it's very easy with the head collar because it's working on the opposition reflex to step in front of the dog, pull your leash upwards, and the dog's bottom will hit the ground. Yeah. And they're a lot easier to control and a lot more relaxed when they're in a sitting position. Well, so so many benefits on that product. So if anyone who's listening is interested, it's called a gentle leader head collar. And that's the important thing because we do have another gentle leader product. That's the branding. Am I right there, Sue? Yes, gentle yes. leader is the branding. Uh, there's another product we want to talk about and it's the easy walk harness. And it's quite a different looking harness to what we're normally used to. So my question to you is, what is it and how, how does it look? The reason it's different to most harnesses is that it has a front leash attachment. Yes. So we're all used to traditional harnesses where you put the leash on the back of the dog and we still see dogs walking down the road pulling against them. Yes. Because 
basically harnesses were only invented for main two purposes. One is for tracking and the other is for pulling, like when you attach sled dogs to a harness. Mm. And because dogs have an opposition reflex, it gives them something to put their body weight in and pull against. Right. So by using a front leash attachment, what happens is it redirects the pressure through the front leash attachment and it tightens. There's a small martingale loop that tightens across the chest and the shoulder blades and the opposition reflex works with you rather than against you. And again, it, it stops that pulling action. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I actually had a woman yesterday who fitted one on a golden retriever pup and she said the owner just was absolutely amazed that it worked so well and so quickly. I note that, say for example, with the head collar, the, the previous product we were talking about, that might be a little bit difficult with breeds like pugs and sharpays, mm. uh, but the easy walk harness would be a better choice for a dog like that? Yeah, any dog that has restricted breathing, you're probably better to use the harness. Yes. And I often say the harness is for good for dogs that simply want to pull, that they have no other issues. So mm. like your happy Labrador that just wants to get somewhere in a hurry, the head collar is still better for dogs of all sizes that have any further issues like anxiety or fearfulness or even like your Jack Russell where they're very high excitable dogs. Yes. Mm. Well, I find that information very informative and I think uh, they're both great products and I've only heard great results from people who've used them. That is good. And, I mean, walking the dog should be one of life's great pleasures. That's right. And we all know that a dog that gets walked and is physically exercised and mentally stimulated is less likely to be destructive around the house or or a nuisance dog. That's right. And it's happier all the way round. Exactly. Look, thank you very much for that information, Sue. Appreciate that. Okay. Thank you, Danny. Bye-bye. We've got John with us on the phone from Ellie Barner for Pet Chat. Hello, John. How are you doing there? Good, thank you. And we've got Danny listening to you now. What did you want to tell him? Well, I've got a problem. I hope you can help me. Okay, we've John. Got, we've, got, uh, we've, <clears throat> we've got some crows that are taking our, our window because they, they, when they fly past, obviously they must see their the reflection mm-hmm. and they come back attacking them. And we've put a plastic snake up there. We heard you talking about snakes earlier. Yes. We've got rid of them for a day. But like first thing in the morning, about 6 o'clock, they're that, out there and through the day. They just seem to attack, attack the glass. I don't know how to, how to get rid of them. Is, can you help me there, please? Well... I'm not sure of, um, in terms of a device, actually, while I was at a pet expo in Hong Kong earlier this year, I did mm-hmm. see a product that was a, to, which similar like the snake repellers, but it emitted a frequency that birds don't like and it, it, it actually keeps birds away from your yard or from an area that's confined. But I'm not too sure much more about it. I haven't tested it. I haven't looked oh, into okay. it. So I don't know about that. I know I've got issues with crows at home. If I was to leave, uh, like with my chooks, I'll go and collect the eggs in the morning and mm-hmm. I'll put them in a basket and sometimes I'll leave them close to the front door on the porch. Crows will come and get them. Yeah. Um, they, they look at everything and they, they see what's going around. If they can get some food, they'll go and try and get it. And they're quite uh, smart the way right. they do things. Is there... Is there something that they're seeing through the window that... No, it's reflective, sort of reflective glass. As oh. I'm thinking they're seeing that it's another bird there and it might be their dominance. I'm thinking it might be breeding season or something yes. like that. They're like showing... We've never had... A, we've been there for about 19 or 20 years. We've not had a problem there yet, you know, until until just recently. And uh, I'm, we're at wit's end what to do. We went and bought one of these plastic snakes. They said, oh, you want to keep the birds away? I said, yep. And, and we, we thought it was great. Worked for a day. Yep. And then they were back. They t- Like you said, they're pretty smart as well, you know. Okay. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm not too sure what I can offer in terms of um, product-wise at this stage or even advice into how to how to get rid of the crows, but there might be some other organisations which might, might be worthwhile having a look through a Google search to oh, find yeah. out, and I might even have a look at that for next week's show. We'll do that. Thank yeah. you for your call there, John from Elibana. Now, some events that are coming up. Have you got any events coming up in our local area there for us? Uh, we do, actually. It's, a, it's another dog show happening at the CNCC Dog Showgrounds at Hillsborough, David. There'll be dog shows on the Saturday and the Sunday uh, with a number of different specialty breeds being shown. There's the Boston Terrier Club of New South Wales. If you want to have a look at Boston Terriers um, and talk to the breeders of Boston Terriers, this is the weekend to do it there at the Dog Showgrounds. Jack Russell Terrier Club is also holding a specialty show. Therefore, you'll, you can meet lots of Jack Russell breeders, and they are a popular breed, certainly an active and lively yeah. dog. Uh, and then we have uh, a few other clubs that are holding their shows, like the Hound Club and the Working Dog Club. So f- lots of different shows at the Dog Showgrounds at the CNCC dog showgrounds at Hillsborough. It's Pet Chat for a Wednesday afternoon. Our next guest joins us right now. Brock, how are you today? Fantastic. How are you? Very good. Brock, uh, thank you for joining us on the show. And we always talk to you about anything to do with reptiles, such as lizards and snakes, even turtles and frogs. But uh, I thought it's timely uh, to talk to you about the breeding season because lizards now are looking at, at breeding. They're finding their mate. And I wanted to talk to you about what do they do in this time of year when it comes to breeding? Well, funny you say that. Yesterday afternoon when I was out and about in the backyard, I have a bird aviary with bearded dragons in there, and I looked at two of them which looked like they were fighting at it with each other, and um, I went to interrupt then realising they weren't actually fighting, they were actually mating, because <laughs> the mating ritual for a bearded dragon is not like us with a romantic dinner and candlelight. It actually <laughs> looks like a bit of a fight. <laughs> oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so instead of interrupting them, I let them do their things, like the male is biting the female on the back of the head, they're twisting their tails together, and um, then in about uh, 30 days onwards, you actually will notice the female bulges in there when she's gravid. Like oh, so the, that's what I was going to ask you. How do you know if a lizard is pregnant? Yeah, well, the terminology is gravid when they've got the eggs inside them. You can normally see the eggs on the outside of the underbelly of the lizard, and they really get big. They bulge right out. Oh. And um, when you notice that, you've got to prepare an area for them to lay. Yeah. Because they like to lay in a sandy pit. And they even bury themselves up to their neck in the sand to lay the egg. So it needs a very deep pit, even the size of a uh, garbage bin, so to speak. Oh, in, in, so that's a pretty wow. big pit. Yeah, exactly right. Because a lizard that is, say, 30, 40 centimetres long yep. needs to be that deep in the sand to be able to lay the eggs. What size are the eggs? The eggs are about 2.5 grams and uh, half the size of your thumb. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. a, a bit... I thought they might have been like a big duck egg or something like that. No, no, because they can hold up to 20 eggs in them. And so they're very small. And the lizards that hatch out of them are relatively large in comparison to the size of the egg. I guess it depends. If it was a, a big goanna, it might be a duck egg size. Well, exactly, yeah. Bearded dragons, bearded dragons are smaller, but yes, you're right. A, um, a goanna would only have two or four eggs at a time, and yeah. they would be the size of a chicken or a duck. Now, in terms of what if you wanted to incubate them? Well, the once eggs. you know where they've been laid, the trick is getting them out of the pit and into an incubator. Now, I use a hovervator incubator. It's for poultry, but it works fantastic for the lizards. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to slowly get like a brush, like being an um, excavator, so to speak, or an um, uh, archaeologist, and slowly brushing away layers of sand until you get down to the eggs. Oh, when you've okay. got to be very careful with the lizard eggs because 
simply rocking the egg side to side can damage the embryo inside. So you've got to basically, like this egg and spoon race, so to speak, you yeah. scoop it up yeah. and carefully, without rocking the egg, you put it into the incubator, which is prepared beforehand mm-hmm. with vermiculite in... Um, Chinese containers, and you've got to moisten the vermiculite at a ratio like one to one ratio. Yes. And then you place the eggs in there, um, set the temperature to about 28 to 31 degrees. Yep. And between, say, 50 and 60 days later, they'll hatch. You have lots of little babies running around. Well, what I might do, Brock, because we're running out of time, we might have to get back to you at another show and let's talk about what you do once, once the hatchlings have come out of the eggs. Yeah, for sure. And That's feeding no them and so forth. Yeah, well, excellent. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank for you for time. that, Brock. Thanks for giving us a call. We go to our next caller now, and we've got waiting for us patiently at Pelamane. Peter, hello, Peter. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you going? Good. You wanted to talk about the snake repellent? Yeah, yeah. I've, just, I've got a little story, actually. Oh, yeah. excellent, Peter. Yeah, the, um, well, I think it was last summer. Well, it was quite a hot summer, and uh, one of our cats, we found him in the laundry. He had wandered home after a snake bite. And uh, well, from the symptoms, we, we knew it was a red belly black because... The cat was just paralysed. Right. It was still breathing, just. We don't know how long it had been there. So we took it to the, the vet. And luckily, you know, she survived. Yes. I say. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it was quite an expense getting that done. Well, it is. Uh, and yeah, the, it is. The expensive. anti-venom, I know, is quite expensive itself, even without the care um, that the yeah. pet hospitals do. But it's a, good, it's a good thing that the cat was able to survive in that regard. Yeah, it was touch and go for a while because... Um, as soon as the vet uh, looked at the cat, he said, I know what that is. It's a red belly black. Yeah. Um, what do you want me to do? There's two options. Yes. And my wife instantly said, just fix it. Yes, so, that's right. Uh, that was, it was an expense, but, you know, it was a red belly black. But the question I've, I've sort of got is, are they territorial? Because we live around the bushland, you know, bushes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it comes right up to the back. Uh, back s- bed, so. Yes. Well, snakes do have an area that they will live in. And, and hunting, um, and uh, generally they they can be classed as being territorial in that regard. Yeah. Um, uh, that's another good question that I'd like to expand on with Brock when I'm talking with him in regards to another interview because he's our reptile expert. But yeah, yeah. they they will they will hibernate during the winter period in that area, and then they've all just come out of hibernation now, and they're out hunting. They're looking for food, but they're also then looking um, for a partner to breed with. So, yeah, that's what happens, and that's why they're out in, and they can bite our pets in our backyard. Do they actually go looking for prey, or do they just sort of defend themselves? Like, if there's an animal going past, mm-hmm. would they just attack it, or only if it's a threat sort of thing? The, like, red-bellied black snakes don't attack, but brown snakes can. So oh, yeah, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, red belly blacks are pretty good at, at you know, uh, walking away when they see something that they don't like or, yeah. or that's different, yeah, in that regard. But the I brown do, snakes are fairly, fairly bad. Brown, brown, sna- brown snakes are known to attack, exactly. Yes. I've got, uh, got one for you here, Peter. You'll love this. Yeah. You have come through. You're our lucky caller today because guess what oh, we've got oh. for you? Guess what we've got? Oh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give Peter thing. we're gonna give you a snake repeller. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, and uh, it'll protect yeah, protect your cat f- uh, for it from ever it getting bitten by another snake again. So you well, hold on the line. There. She's eleven years old now, so I think she's got a few years left. <laughs> you hold on the line there. We'll get your details from you, and we'll get the address, and that, and you'll be able to get that. Uh, we'll have that for you, being our lucky caller there. So thank you for that today and giving us a call through. Uh, any other activities coming up that we can look forward to in the next seven days? Well, we've we've gone through the uh, dog show 
grounds and events happening there. We'll talk about the Doggy Day out again next week and just mention that as a reminder. But I do have another product that is quite interesting to talk about, David. What is this one? Yeah, I see it there. Uh, This is called a safety stick. And what it is is a glow-in-the-dark product that you put around the dog's collar. And when you're walking your dog, it will obviously glow and will allow drivers, if you're walking along, along a main street, to know that you've got a dog there. Oh, okay. And that's a really good... Good uh, idea, safe, isn't it? Yeah, it's a safe way to walk your dog late at night. Great concept. So, yeah, it's reflective and it, it's glow in the dark. So that works really well in that regard. Uh, we were going to talk to Jim about um, education um, and pet what pets uh, you can get that are low responsibility and education in terms of responsibility of your pets. One of those ones that I was going to talk to him about was the silkworms. Mm-hmm. It is silkworm season, and now's the time to possibly get some silkworms from your local pet shop and show your children how they go from the worms and then they go into little cocoon and then what happens as part of the life cycle Fantastic. of silkworm. Well, we might have to do that next week. We'll, yeah. We'll touch on that next week. We will if, touch if, on if that. we can get Jim to do that. Excellent. So thank you for today. Thank you very much. It's gone quickly. Yes, it's gone very quickly, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again next Next week. week.